the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back. Boy, does time go quick. I'm here with Lois Weiss, who's been on the show many times before. She's one of the best writers, and she writes for The Post and Between the Bricks. And she's going to discuss, we just did about residential. She's going to discuss what's going on in commercial real estate in the tri-state. I don't know if I want to say good morning. Yes, I guess it's still morning. I'm so thrilled to talk to you. I haven't talked to you for a while, but I heard you just uh, came back from a nice uh, trip. Well, I think I've been going around the globe this year. I was in Thailand uh, reporting on elephant sanctuaries, and then in Turkey um, actually looking at projects that um, a company called Bill Gilly is working on there, and they just bought into 125 Greenwich Street uh, downtown here, a um, project that had been had its fits and starts, a very tall residential building. So they're going to be partners there now on that. And they've also invested here in the Amman and the Mandarin Oriental and some other fabulous things. So it was exciting to meet them in their own territory um, in Istanbul, which is a beautiful city. But it did uh-huh. remind me of the um, of what of New York's Battery Park City and what could be going on there. Really, and it, yeah, it's gorgeous. They they just redeveloped their whole seaport. So that with shops and stores, and it's like walking around Brookfield Place, but on a smaller scale with a new um, Peninsula Hotel and some and a new art museum by Renzo Piano. So that was kind of exciting. And then I was in Disney World, <laughs> which <laughs> well, that's always fun. so I. Yeah, but I spent uh, a weekend on the Galactic Star Cruiser, which Disney is shutting down. So I was a reporter for the Corellia Times reporting on the uh, 275th anniversary of the Star Cruiser, which is where Leia and Han Solo had their honeymoon and uh, got immersed in uh, events and spying for the resistance. And it was it was a lot of fun. And I'm very sh- <gasps> sorry they're shutting it down. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they really didn't market it. It's a hotel, and 
but it's a it's as if you're going on a star cruise instead of a um, a ship cruise, and you're in space. Well, that sounds so that was exciting. And now that I'm back good. to Earth here. Well, you know, you need to get away from things once in a while. You know, I think it's the best thing that can happen. But let, let me ask you something. So you're back, and you've been covering commercial real estate for God knows a long time. Um, there's yeah. no one that I know that knows more than you about it. So what's going on within the world of commercial real estate? Well, it's, I think it's treading water. Um, the biggest worries, of course, are that the residential um, buildings here are starting to have their mortgage come up. You know, the residential, uh, a multifamily building doesn't get a 30-year mortgage. They pretty much get five-year mortgages, and those mortgages roll. And if the property is uh, not worth what it was, then you have to actually put equity in uh, for the banks. You can't just get a new mortgage. You have to keep the loan to value steady. So that's an issue um, for for the for a lot of the multifamily buildings because when the state and city changed the rent laws in 2019, it pretty much cut off all avenues of making rents higher. And you know, Dottie and I, you and I were talking about rents being the highest in in the city now. Uh, you know, averaging five thousand dollars a month, and yet. Um, if you're in a rent-stabilized property, uh, you could be paying 900 And if you've been there for 40 years and you leave and the owner tries to do some work on it, they can only get a rent increase of $83 a month. Yeah, and, and it might need $100,000 of work to get a new tenant in there. So it, it's a little bit of a scary system right now. And But, of course, there's investors buying these smaller buildings, trying to, you know, hope that the legislature comes to its senses and changes the law. But you I know, sometimes wonder about who makes these laws because sometimes the people that make them never worked a day in their life where they really don't know anything about it. And they don't sometimes have... Long-term yeah, vision, you, know, you know, maybe it's a short-term fix or something, but, but you know, they try to help to, people. Yeah, well, yeah. listen, you can help, but you know, to, to a certain extent. But if you help, you know, and I, I, I don't really get to want to get into political, but at the same token, um, as you said, you know, I think the mayor said himself, he said, you know, when with the whole immigrant crisis, he said, look, we're a sanctuary state, so we have to, we will take them. But there was no place to put them. And he needed help yep. from the, he needed help outside of New York. He needed help from the, you know, from uh, the, the federal government. Yes, and our government. So I don't know how much they're helping him, but, uh, you know, I it's think nice to. an advisor. <laughs> It's nice to want, yeah. but um, but still, in all, it, because you know, people have you hear, like I said, people read things, and I tell people like a lot of times what you're reading is not actually always on the money. Um, I live in New York City, and so you know, I do see, uh, well, where I am, I, 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 you know, I see some stores that did close, a lot of them. 
uh, due to the pandemic. A lot of them just because people really have not fully gone back to work all the time. And I think that makes a difference because when people are working, they take lunch and they walk around the stores and then they might see something in a window, uh, you know. And so if you're working at home, more than likely, you're not just going to go start walking around to look at stores. Yeah. So I well, think- actually, a lot of people do. And that's why the neighborhoods have done so well. I mean, you go outside of core sort of fifth Park Madison Avenue, and you start getting into the neighborhoods, and they're very vibrant um, because people will take their dog for the walk in the middle of the day, um, you know, and do a different type of call if they're working from home. So it has uh, really made all the neighborhoods from Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx very lively, uh, and a lot of the stores that went out has been re-rented. Yes, they may have been re-rented at a lower uh, rent, but they're still getting filled. Um, and people are still investing in New York because they're looking at the long term. Um, you, I don't know if you've been to the Aston Martin showroom that opened up on um, uh, Park Avenue and 56th Street. Actually, 57th Street and it goes on that block front, and it's amazing. And um, you can go sit in a car, and it's very beautiful. Not that I'm going to go buy an Aston Martin, but it <laughs> it shows you what you know that there is still money and wealth that want to be in New York. And it's and it's one of the experiential places where it, it, they're not taking over for the dealers, but the dealer will send you there to pick out your fits and finishes, and you can have an interactive talk with the people in England at the factory about your car. So wow. that's one of the things that that's exciting. You know, anything that's interactive or immersive is doing well and I think a lot of people are um trying to plan their stores to be to be an experience. I mean, for you and I growing up, our experience was walking into Bloomingdale's and having uh yes. you know somebody make us up. <laughs> and um you know, these days uh, you have interactive mirrors and and all kinds of knowledge coming out of the places. Um and you know everything from the sense of the pro- of the store to you know taking photos and selfies if you walk around um um anything is is possible um and there's been a lot of changes like take on Madison Avenue um Sotheby's um is coming back to Madison Avenue they're taking over that old um, Brower Building, where the Frick Collection is now sitting. You know, the Whitney moved its art down to the meatpacking plant. So the um, Brower Museum at 75th and Madison was empty, and they've been do- hosting some temporary exhibits. And um, Sotheby's will have its, you know, place there. They had been up in the 90s. And it just wasn't the same for them. So they're going to be back in the thick of things. Oh, that's And then right, yeah, and right down the street um, at 65th Street, 
um, James Dyson, who, of course, invented all the vacuums and things, his own personal investment uh, bought um, three retail units there where um, that are now rented um, to Versace. And so that was exciting. They paid $135 million for it. Um, for 11,000 square foot retail location. So well, you have to give you have to give New York a lot of credit because it really got hit the hardest with the pandemic, and um, yeah. you know then people would say it was never coming back, and it's coming back, and it came back. I think it has a little ways to go yet, but I think it's pretty much getting there, and I think that you know when I be in Florida and see all these New Yorkers. Um, yeah, Florida's great, and that's probably one of the biggest uh, states that uh, New Yorkers go to. Uh, but there's nothing like New York City. You know, I always say that. I yeah. say, where in the world can you live where every language in the world is there, every walk of life is there? Uh, you know, people don't really care what you wear. I mean, you can walk around nude and nobody cares. Yeah. It, it, it kind of... No, I, and I'm not the, really, I've never been in New York City. I mean, that's the truth. And no one flinches. I mean, it's just not like anything is accepted. And it's so diverse that I think the world can learn a lesson because it's a vertical city. So it's, you know, you, you know you're really close to everybody. And, uh, hey, anything goes. I mean, and no one really stands out. I mean, it's like not. You know, it, it, it's like whatever you are, as long as you're not hurting somebody, well, hey, more power to you. So I think that's, and I don't think there's anything like that, you know. That, yeah, you know. It, it's funny because as you're talking, I'm thinking about Disney World, and it reminds me of walking around there with all the languages and, and you know, the crowds and things there that are a little more are vertical and you're in line with people to do different activities and it's really just like New York City in a lot of ways and um, and that, and that's why people want to come there and everybody I talk to always says to me oh I'm, I want to go there I was there once I want to go back it's so exciting and it is exciting it's fun to walk around it's fun to look at things it's fun to see the artwork and and the um, different things that you can't see anywhere else literally you know from these flagship showrooms to um, the Statue of Liberty um, the Empire State Building. And, and one of the things that's, that's amazing now in the city is that we have so many places where you can go to the top of a building. All these, you know, they're like dueling observatories. You can go up to one Vanderbilt and, it, and it's lit up at night and, and it's all mirrors and you can walk on a glass ledge or play with silver balloons. Or you can go to the top of the rock and, and look out over rock center and get a whole different viewpoint or the Empire State Building and, you know, have interactions um, with um, all the things there and their new exhibits and their outside attractions or go down to the World Trade Center where we're getting the, the new culture center is going to open very soon and you have a whole different viewpoint because it's literally miles away from Midtown. So 
whether it's up or down, there's always things building. And I heard Richard talking about Gowanus. The Gowanus um, was uh, rezoned, and now all the properties that were bought or were little bars and things are being turned into residential buildings. But they're still trying to keep that excitement by keeping some of the bars there and the and the fun stores. And it, it's so exciting to see it. You know, the whole waterfront has evolved, as you know. And, you know, you can still take ferries around and go from Manhattan to Brooklyn or to Governor's Island and play there for an afternoon. I mean, the city just continues to excite and change no matter what. So it's fabulous. It's reinventing itself. Okay, as I say, and everyone has to reinvent itself, I I think. Um, And there's a lot to do in New York City, and there's not quite anything like it. Uh, Now, I just want to ask you, I was supposed to go to, I'm on a board, and they had a meeting in Vegas. Um, Actually, now I'm supposed to, I should be there. But I didn't, (laughs) I had issues with my lungs, and somebody, and I knew that they were closing, that with covid they, someone told me, oh, some a lot of places are closing over for the next couple of days with COVID. What's going on with COVID? Um, well, there's a new variant um, that's coming, but people say it isn't that bad. And actually, there's something that's not flu and not COVID, and it's another whole cold um, with body aches and fevers that's going around. So my daughter did catch that while we were at Disney. Now, I stayed in the room with her, and I'm not sick at all. And you didn't so get it. I, Nope. And, but I'm a big believer in, in all the um, alphabet vitamins. So uh, that is what I do all the time. And, um, you know, pe- people get nervous, and the COVID is COVID, but we're going to have to live with that. That's going to be with us the rest of our lives in different variations. And, you know, we we wear masks. We don't wear masks. Nobody cares if you wear a mask. If you want to wear a mask, do it. You do what you feel comfortable doing. And, um, you know, so if people want to close or not go out, that's up to them. I, I think that's one of the things we did learn from COVID is that everybody has a different level of what they're comfortable with. And certainly every building, um, every office building has put in different protocols and and hand sanitizers and, and all kinds of um, things within the vent systems now that kill bacteria. In fact, I put those things in my own um, home system, the infrared lights that that kill bacteria. But I was very happy to see the um, the six-foot things being picked up, and I hope they don't have to go down again because, um, you know, it, it's just not as much fun when you can just be yourself and do what's comfortable for you. So, so would you say New York think, is back? Because we're coming up to... Uh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. it's back. And, you know, people are going into the office three and four days a week, kind of Fridays the least. So, you know, 
but it's filled with tourists again. We're getting 60 million tourists here. I know, I see uh, it, because I live in a hotel condo, so I do see a lot of tourists. And I think New York is back differently, but back. Um, Thank you, Lois. Have a great weekend, and um, I'll talk to you real soon. We'll be right back, and we are going to have Stephen Moranis, who is going to talk to you. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life. Every Sunday night, some of the world's most inspirational and influential people join me to discuss health and wellness, professional development, and personal well-being. They share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Take time for yourself. Tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. If you miss a show, be sure to visit our website so you can listen on demand. And while you're there, read our digital magazine and take part in our book club. Visit CYACYL.com. That's CYACYL.com. Are you considering a unique way to enhance your investment knowledge this year? Then sign up today for the all-inclusive Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Along with our trusted partner, The Money Show, we're setting sail this December to explore some of the most beautiful and unspoiled destinations in the Caribbean. But this is no ordinary vacation. It's a chance to learn from top Eagle Financial experts like best-selling authors George Gilder, Mark Skousen, and others who will be hosting a series of workshops and seminars throughout the trip. Imagine lounging on the sun deck while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals or enjoying a gourmet dinner at the same table with one of our leading financial authorities. This once-in-a-lifetime cruise is a perfect way to combine education and relaxation to achieve your investment goals. This cruise will sell out quickly, so visit EagleFinancialCruise.com today to learn more and to secure your cabin. That's EagleFinancialCruise.com. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. More than 80 million Americans count on AM radio stations like this one for news, important weather updates, and the opportunity to discuss and debate important issues facing our country. But some people want to remove AM radio for the new cars being manufactured, and we can't let that happen. The Senate Commerce Committee has approved the AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act, Senate Bill 1669, and moved it on for a vote in the full Senate. It also faces action in the U.S. House. Your U.S. Senator and your representative in Congress are in your home state during the annual congressional recess this August. When you see your senator or congressman visiting your community, please tell them you want to support to keep AM Radio strong, vibrant, and available to keep you in your car. This is your opportunity to stand up and be heard. You could text AM to 52886. That's AM to 52886 to tell Congress to support AM radio. That is text AM to 52886. I can tell you personally, defending AM radio is so important. Tell Congress to support AM radio. That's AM to 52886. The Joe Piscopo Show. Mornings 6 to 10 on AM 970. The Answer. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and boy, does time fly. And I am here with Stephen Moranis, who is, uh, oh, God, I don't know. He's got so many credentials. I could uh, put, I could talk for 10 minutes on all those credentials, but let me put it this way. 
He is a real estate strategist and a columnist for the Financial Post and a bunch of magazines. And he was the former director of Toronto's Real Estate Board. So he knows all about what's going on in Canada. And I kind of always, we've been friends for a lot of years because we actually, Canada, a lot of Amer- a lot of people from here go there. Um, and... Uh, Thought I'd like to see what's going on there and see how it parallels what's going on here in the States. So, good. I'm going to say it's closer to the afternoon, but um, good morning, afternoon, Stephen. It's good to have you back. It's, it's always great to be on with you, Dottie, and I appreciate the opportunity. And it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun, and it's uh, I cherish it. Um, I think what I'd like to start is kind of what we're experiencing in Canada, the emerging trends in the real estate sector. Um, And, you know, there's uh, sort of, I'll give you a 50,000 feet what we're experiencing. Um, Unfortunately, we've had a series of interest, interest rate increases that were much sharper and faster than expected, as well as inflation at levels we've never really had since the 80s. And we also have a very uncertain geopolitical environment. Um, you know, the C- Canadian market is really experiencing and looking ahead to fairly, you know, significant period of disruption. And that's sort of the sort of the overview of what we've got. Um, you've got some similar challenges in the U.S. We've got, uh, you know, some of the political things they're suggesting that you know China has interfered with the Canadian federal election results, uh, you know, a whole bunch of stuff like that. But the the biggest challenge is um, really the interest rates and supply. Well, we're we're 5.25 is the bank rate. We're expecting the Bank of Canada sets the bank rate. Um, We're expecting another increase, unfortunately, in September, probably – a quarter of a point or a half a point and you know mortgage rates have now gone up to seven eight percent so um, you know you basically you don't borrow mortgage you know first mortgage for you know a fairly well qualified individual or family isn't going to get the bank rate bank prime rate it's it's running now at about seven percent so there's roughly two million canadians have mortgage renewals coming up every year and you know people have mortgages that are under 2% and they're now looking at, you know, 7%. It's a big hit on a well, monthly um, if, if affordability I might just level. Jump in there. Uh, you can kind of look at things in a lot of different ways. Uh, now, I don't know as much. I don't know the mortgage. I don't know about Canada so much, but I do know that, of course, our rates went up. I mean, but during the pandemic, they were down to 3%. And in my lifetime, and I'm not young, in my lifetime, I never saw 3% mortgages. So that was an unreal time. It was like a once, in my opinion, you know, you never know, but I don't know that I'll see it again in my lifetime. I So when you compare mortgage rates in the U.S. to what they were during the pandemic, well, we're at like six something, I think. Uh, they seem high, but they're really not. I mean, because the average mortgage over the years in the U.S. was was about seven. So I don't know what the average mortgage in Canada was, uh, you know, mortgage rate. But I'm, I'm curious if it's, if it, you know, I, I bought my first house when it was like 13 or 12 or 14 percent or something of that nature. 
So, I mean, is that right. kind of an average rate? I mean, are you comparing it to the pandemic times? Or is that, you know, what's the kind of average rate over the years? Well, it's, it's yeah, I, I personally experienced, I think I had a mortgage back in the 80s at, I think, 15%. And we all sort yeah. of, you so, know, accepted just, it and tolerated it. But it's it's kind of a little different because prices, you know, have quadrupled since then. And, you know, the house you bought for 250 is now a million. And, well, um, you know. Yes, but I mean, look, there's two ways of looking at things, okay? And so I'm not going to be Pollyanna or try to look at all the but if you're a seller, I guess that's good. Um, if you're a buyer, that's going to be harder to buy. But then you're like, you know, I, you know, I think that today people are different and the younger generations are different. I know that my first house was nothing to rave over. I bought a location. It was a tiny house. It wasn't what I thought that I would really want to be in. My apartment was nicer that I rented. But my dad was like, you know, you have to buy, you have to buy, you have to buy. And so I went from a beautiful rental to this little cottage kind of house that was in a great area. But it was tiny. It was so tiny. I remember sitting in the kitchen and like if you leaned back on a chair, you'd hit the refrigerator. But I ended up renting. I, I You know, after a while I moved out and I rented it. And really then I sold it. And that's really where I got the money for my first down payment. So I think that I look at everyone comparing stuff to pandemics. And, you know, in the pandemic, everybody, you know, I don't know about in Canada, but if you didn't pay rent, you didn't get in trouble. If you didn't, you know, they really made as many exceptions as they could because people, you know, we were in a very different time. So, I, you know, I, I don't, I think that if you're, you know, if you're comparing them, to, what were your interest rates? Did they go down that much when during the pandemic, like the heat of the like the, I guess 2021, 21 was like the height of the pandemic. Well, the interest rates, uh, the bank prime was like 1%. It was, you know, it was under 1%. It might've been a half a percent. So it was practically free money. And it's gone up to five, five and a quarter percent roughly now. And it's, it looks like it's going to continue inflation, uh, which reached, I think the highest, in Canada was about eight percent or eight and a half percent. They they brought it down. You know their their stated goal, which is pretty common amongst uh, you know the 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 G seven countries, including the United States, is they're trying to keep it at two percent. Two percent, but they're about three and a half now. I don't know if they'll ever get it at two because the increased increased interest rates are fueling inflation in the housing sector, right? So it's sort of a double edged sword. And I agree with you. Look, young families, young people trying to start up, there's a building block of buy your first home and then, you know, gain some equity with appreciation and all those good things. And, you know, that, you know, ends up creating, you know, your biggest sort of uh, net worth is, is generally, you know, for most people in their principal residence. And, and we have the good fortune in Canada Principal residences are, are not subject to capital gains tax, so it's 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 a oh, that's, you know it, that's yeah, good. We don't we well we don't get the benefit of writing off mortgage interest in taxes, which you know hurts us on an affordability level. But the gain ultimately is tax free. You know there is some talk that you know should that conti should that continue to be the case. But you know we look at uh, in our column in the financial post, 
we look at all the sectors. It's not just residential. It's commercial. It's office. It's retail. Industrial. From a commercial point of view, and it must be the same, I would think, in the United States, the industrial real estate sector is performing the best because it's the distribution centers like Amazon, et cetera, that have this need uh, for space. And, and those kinds of um, commercial properties have still um, appreciated the best and the most, even in, the, in these difficult, challenging times. And uh, the prices have stayed high. Offices, you know, whether it's in New York City or Toronto, you know, the vacancy rates are high. People are trying to repurpose um, their office space. It's created problems because there's no more foot traffic. People aren't going well, to you know, the central business. It's funny you should say that. We just had somebody from the commercial sector, a writer from the commercial sector on. Yeah. Um, and, new, and from New York. And so she's been writing for years about the commercial market. And she said that the foot traffic is, you know, back. And that, you know, although a lot of stores did... You know, some stores just couldn't make it, but they couldn't make it not only because of the COVID thing, but also because of of what's happened to the people's, uh, the impact of the pandemic. People started to buy online. Uh, well, so, yes. you know, I mean, part 100%. of it's just habits of people changing. You know what I'm saying? No, no question, Dottie. I think people's uh, habits are changing. I mean, I was down the other day. The largest indoor mall in Toronto is right in downtown Toronto is the Eaton Center. And I was, you know, don't, you know, going to want to pick up a couple of things because I'm sort of more of the old timer who likes to go into a store, touch it, feel it Me and too. try it on. Me too. <laughs> and, I'm the same. Yeah. And, and um, I was looking for for some you know, tennis stuff. And I, I went into Uniqlo, which is Roger Federer, and they didn't have, it's interesting. They, I was looking for large shirts. All they had was extra large and small. I'm sort of scratching my head. Of course, the, you know, the, the salesperson said, oh, sir, you can go online and order it. And I said, yeah, I'd like to try it on though to see if a large will work. And, right. but the sad thing, the sad thing and sad thing is I walked through the mall and Nordstrom's, which launched in Canada, has closed every store in Canada. They have like a 50,000 or 100,000 square foot store in the Eaton Center in downtown Toronto. And they shuttered it up, plus all their other stores in Canada. And they're a great retailer. You know, it's sort of the similar, you know, Target couldn't make it here. And I scratch my head. These are great retailers. How come they couldn't adapt to the Canadian well, landscape? Maybe they just didn't act quick enough. Um, there's a lot of reasons behind that. But I think from what you're saying, the you, I think that the states are faring it a little bit better. But we can talk about that when we come back because um, it's come back differently, but it's the way it is. You know, you can't live in the past. You know, people's habits changed and... Uh, On MyPillow's 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell and the MyPillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. Queen-size MyPillows, regular price is $69.98, now only $19.98, and just $10 more for king-size. Go to MyPillow.com. 
Click on the radio podcast square to get Mike's amazing offer on the queen size my pillow for only nineteen ninety eight, or call eight hundred six five one zero seven nine eight. Use the promo code Joe P. In addition to the special anniversary offer on the my pillows, you will also receive deep discounts on all my pillow products such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. Go to mypillow.com or call eight hundred six five one zero seven. Use the promo code JOEP to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his MyPillow. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date and I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Google Salem Surround New York and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Graduation season is here, and many students finish college without a clear path towards a career. Do you know a graduate in this position? Tell them about Plaza College's accelerated program in court reporting, which allows you to speed your way into the legal field and make good money without going to law school. This is an in-demand, lucrative career with flexibility that more people need to know about. I'm told district attorneys are in dire need of court reporters. Courts, schools, and television stations are all seeking these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions, classes, live shows, and sporting events. With the national shortage, NCRA partnered with Plaza to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z, and it's being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. Sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. Brandon Tatum, weeknights at 8 on AF 970. The answer. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. I'm here with Steve Moranis, who's an expert in real estate, actually had a their family has been in real estate forever, and he's a uh, columnist, a real estate strategist, and knows everything. And we're just talking about the differences and the similarities to from Canada and New York. Well, first of all, I always tell people who have not been to Canada, especially if you live in the New York area, it's uh, if you don't want to take a plane, you could really drive there because I used to have offices in Rochester, and it was not that far away in Rochester. What is it? I, I would say it's it's a bit of a drive, but if you were, to, but I love Canada. I think it is a beautiful place and it was clean. If you were to recommend where people should go if they were going to Canada, uh, where would you tell them? Well, there's some beautiful places. Uh, you know, I think you've got to come. The three major cities are very, very interesting, diverse, and culturally different. Montreal, for sure, because of the French influence. 
Uh, Toronto is a great city, um, you know, world-class, all major sports. We've got the Toronto Blue Jays are playing now. In fact, we've got the Canadian Open Tennis is being played in Toronto and Montreal this week with the finals tomorrow. Um, we've got the Raptors who won, um, you know, the NBA one year, and we've got, you know, Toronto Maple Leaf hockey team. But I'd go to Vancouver. Vancouver's a gorgeous uh, city and very, very interesting geographically. You know, you've got the mountains and you've got, you know, up in Whistler and Vancouver Island where Victoria is, which is the province. I mean, you know, plus Calgary. I mean, the drive from Calgary to Vancouver through the Rockies is a gorgeous, uh, um, you know, a gorgeous trip. And we've got uh, the Maritimes, you know, uh, Prince Edward Island and Halifax, Nova Scotia, and uh, Newfoundland. It's all great. Unfortunately, uh, part of our country is still uh, suffering from a lot of, of these crazy forest fires. And, um, you know, that's something which has deterred tourism and unfortunately is uh, something that hopefully, you know, will be under control. And I guess one of the... When do you see that uh, happening? When do you see that happening? I mean, uh, well, I, I have Bruce picked... Pictures. I have pictures from New York City in my apartment that you really couldn't see. There was so much. Well, yeah. I mean, the, unfortunately, we apologize for all that yellow air and bad air that came yeah, from Ontario and Quebec. Um, there's still hundreds and hundreds of fires that are not under control. I mean, it's 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 as bad, uh, you know, less pro high profile than say what's happened in Maui and Lahaina in the I state know. of Hawaii. But the climate what's, what's change is, what, what's I don't know. I think it's, you know, does anyone know? Well, well, there's stuff like spontaneous combustion. I mean, when you've got places where the temperature's over a hundred degrees for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, stuff can happen like this. So, you know, I don't think it's arson or anything like that. I think it's, it's just a it's 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 a result of this crazy global warming and you know which let's face it I mean there's some there's some predictors that are saying you know the the oceans are going to rise ten feet I mean what you know you know this what's going to happen to the Hamptons or New York City or Miami if 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 the oceans rise ten feet it's pretty well scary I'm a good stuff. swimmer <laughs> no I'm kidding I mean I am a good swimmer but. No, I remember the Hamptons going back about 20 years ago um, when we had, like, some hurricanes and stuff and the ocean and, um, and, 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 and the sound and the ocean just came together and, the, and, and houses were floating away. I mean, you, you just houses just floated away. Um, well, here's an, here's now an interesting... Now you can't build. You, you can't build at that close to the, the ocean anymore. But I would just see houses fly. And you know what? The people still had to pay their taxes and their houses just went bye-bye. So, you know... Well, you know what? I mean, Dottie, one of the big challenges for the real estate industry is insurance. We just had a major floods in Nova Scotia. Places like Lunenburg and Chester where houses just floated away and this, that, and the other, and people lost their lives, all this crazy stuff. I understand, you know, one of the elements of the real estate uh, industry and sector is getting insurance. And from what I gather, there's insurance companies who have basically taken a position they're not going to insure ha homes in Florida and California 
and other places which have been highly um, suspect to, you know, these uh, climate damage and change. Well, Liz, before they even talked about climate change, I, I lived on Long Island. I mean, I live in the city now, but I lived in Long Island most of my life, and uh, I could not get insurance. And I wasn't on the ocean. I was, you know, maybe two miles away from the sound or three miles, and, you know, but, you know, we, 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 we could flood. I mean, so I couldn't get insurance either. So I had to, I ended up finding a company that said, okay, we'll give you insurance, but you have to put all your insurance through us, like your car insurance, every, all your insurance. So that's, I think that's a problem that's similar to, to us. But at the same token, let me ask you, market-wise, because we were just talking about the residential market and the commercial market in New York City, but market-wise, um, First of all, don't a lot of a lot of do how's the market doing with residential there? And don't a lot of Canadians buy in the U.S. or do a lot of Canadians buy in the U.S.? I kind of remember something well, that that I read that said that they did. Yeah, Canadians absolutely buy uh, in sun in Sunbelt states. No question, Canadians are big um, foreign home purchasers in Florida, Texas. Carolinas, Georgia, you know, Arizona, California, Nevada. No question about that. And, um, you know, probably in the top five foreign country uh, country buyers in, in the southern U.S. No, no question about that. And um, but with respect to the Canadian marketplace, surprisingly, prices have gone up slightly. Uh, unit sales have gone down 30, 40, 50 percent month over, you know, year over year, month to month. Um, but the prices have stayed very, very stable. And that's a function of supply. There's no supply, no new supply, no new construction because of sort of just costs of, of new construction, as well as, you know, how difficult it is to get, you know, rezoning done on a new project you know, primarily pre-construction condominiums. And, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, I hear stories every day in the last few weeks, you know, multiple offers on residential houses, not crazy high-end luxury, but even, you know, the sort of 500 to a million, a million to 2 million, you know, stories with 10, 20, 30 offers on one particular property. And that's current reality of the marketplace. Well, we have no supply here either, um, and um, I just tell buyers, you know, if you really want to buy something, you got to get out there, and you've got to, you know, you have to make a like a list, and you know, I I I learned real estate this way, just take a piece of paper and just put here's your needs that you must have, and here's your wants that you would like to have, but you might not be able to have, and I just think, you know, that's. I, I, our rents, and I think rents all over are soaring, but at least, you know, the rents are high. We don't have a national market. You have to kind of look at your area. But I just think that if you could afford to buy and you're not going to move in a year or two, um, that, you know, if it, long term, it was a good investment. The difference is you're saying your prices didn't rise a lot. Our prices rose about, they, they won't rise this year that much but because they rose like 20 percent in the last two three years with the pandemic people just moved and working from home they needed bigger space and um, you know so 
you know, there's no inventory, but the houses now, the prices, I think, are stabilizing. But they really jumped a lot during the pandemic. Well, all the, you know, the financial institutions, our major banking system, the banks all, you know, they they basically project where the market's going. Everyone is kind of in line saying prices by the end of this year are going to be up about 5%. Because, yes, we had the same increase of 20 to 30 percent you know during the pandemic period so it's still encouraging that yeah that the prices are going up a little but you know there's been some national surveys that have you know and reports that have come out recently rentals have gone up 25 percent well new york city which i know you love new york city the average rent is well over five thousand dollars a month. I know it's crazy, and in you know here the average one bedroom rental has gone pushing three thousand dollars. So it's gone up twenty five to thirty percent in the last twelve months. Understand, and I don't know what the, the the actual demographics are in the U.S., but in Canadian, in in Canada, sort of home dwellers represent about thirty percent are renters. Right, everyone isn't a homeowner. Right. Well, see, that's, I don't know the number in the U.S. I just know that, um, you know, I, I, how can I say this? I just know that, you know, I remember my dad would say to me, you know, in, in my day, in my day, and this and that and the other thing, and I would say, Dad, but this isn't your day. This is a different day. And I think things change, and I think we've changed a lot. And I can't wait till you come to New York, or am I going to have to come to Canada to see you? I'm hoping to come to New York for the U.S. Open in uh, in September, so we'll get together. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do the show live in yes, New York. Yes, you'll do it with me. We'll do it live in New York. Always a pleasure, and I miss you. And I can't. You better call me. I I'll will. Have soon. a great weekend, and thanks. Yeah, and to all of our listeners, listen. It's going to be a nice weekend. Enjoy the rest of the summer. It went too quick, and we'll be back next week. Enjoy, stay safe, and be careful with COVID. The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.